All righty, everyone. Welcome to episode 39 of Scooter and the Big Man. The New York Mets are in first place as we swept the Philadelphia Phillies and took two of three from the Colorado Rockies. We break down having the greatest pitcher on the planet in a Met uniform. The Mets bats are starting to hit, kind of. We have a New York Yankee fan on, John, for redemption as the Yankees have the worst record in the American League, and we do a draft of rivals. Without further ado, let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. All right, everyone, welcome to episode 39 of Scooter and the Big Man, the Bobby Parnell episode of Scooter and the Big Man. I know we could say Edwin Diaz, who looks fire so far to start this season, but I'm going to give some credit to Bobby Parnell, the old right-handed flamethrower for the old Mets bullpen. Bobby Parnell, a name I haven't heard in a, in a very long time, uh, was was pretty solid in, those, uh, in his uh, actual non-hurt years for the Mets. So, PJ, on this episode of episode 39, we are talking about the first place New York Mets, the team that is seven and four. They are in sole possession of first place. I think that matters. I know the Mets got in first place a couple of days ago and everyone was like, oh, we're in first, but we were tied then. Now we're in sole possession. This is our division right now. We have a one game lead over the eight and seven Philadelphia Phillies as we, we are recording this episode. So the last time we were recording, we were talking about the two and three Mets who were not in first place that everyone was freaking out about who felt like they lost a million games. We've only lost one game since then. How are you feeling about the first place, New York Mets? Listen, the, the, we'll just, we'll get the negative out of the way. The offense still isn't where I would like it to be, but we'll talk about this more when we actually recap the games, the, the pitching, especially the starting pitching has was just phenomenal. Absolute just gems to watch everyone. It's not even just like the Grom or even a Stroman thing. Uh, Everyone else is, has just looked uh, fucking great. So we are very excited that the Mets actually played games this week. Uh, they did miss seven of their first 17 games. Seven of their games got postponed, suspended. Uh, we've got some doubleheaders scheduled for later in the year. So we're happy that the Mets are back to playing. We're also happy to have our producer, Pat, back with us this episode. Uh, he was not able to work with us last episode. He was a little busy taking care of some personal matters, but Pat is back. Pat, welcome back to the airwaves. What's up, boys? Nah, it's good to be back. It's uh, I feel like an actual useful producer now. So I'm, I'm, I missed you guys. Uh, work has been hectic the last two weekends, but I'm back. I'm ready to go. I'm full of baseball knowledge, and uh, I'm ready to shoot the shit with the with the squad. Now, you, you told us you had some uh, some questions off, off top, some some baseball uh, related questions. Um, yeah, no, you- uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I guess I'll start with the bullshit one that I actually want to. I've told you guys off air. I don't understand why pitchers are the only ones who get to wear jackets when they get there on the bases. I think that's stupid. Uh, I don't know why they are the only ones who have to keep warm. I think everyone else, if it's depending on like, especially if you're in like Colorado where it's cold and you want to keep your players warm. If if the guy, the first base coach or whatever is going over to like first base to take the, the, the arm guard off them, why not just throw them a jacket? Like, I don't understand that. If there's any specific reason why they don't do that, let me know. If not, I'll move on to my actual real question. I would just imagine that it's probably to be as fast as possible so they're not running in a baggy jacket and that the pitcher wears the jacket to keep their arm from like getting tight so they like to stay nice and warm and loose. That's probably the only reasons I could come up with, though. I don't know yeah, if that's good enough for you. Yeah, it's too constricting on like the actual base runners whose job it is to 
you know, be out there and be on the pat- base path. Um, with the pitcher, you don't want him to get her. You really don't want him running as much. So just keep his arm warm. And, and if he's got to be out there, he just has to be out there. No, I can, I can agree with that then. If it's like, if you got like a Trey Turner on first base and like, you know, he's a speedy guy, he's going to need all like the less wins, wind resistance he, he needs. But I feel like if you got a player who you're not really, he's not really a steel threat, why not just give him a jacket? Just be a nice guy. Like, I don't know. That was my nice guy. Literally, that was the first time I've ever seen a game where I've seen a pitcher wear a jacket while running the bases. So I was I was thrown off when I saw that. And you I have watched like, a total of like eight baseball games then. Uh, they're all last year because there was no pitchers on, on the base paths. I saw every game the Nationals played in the postseason when they won the championship. Not a front runner, though. I'm not. A, I'm, tell, I'm telling you guys, I'm not a front runner. I've been a fan since 2015 uh, mm, when they won the division. Psych. No, they didn't. Okay. That, well, that, that's not, they didn't, they Brian, didn't, that, they was, didn't. A, that was, a bad that was, no, yeah, that, that was, was 2015. That was when, uh, the, I think the, the Mets won the world. That was when the Mets went to the world series. Oh, you had to oh, say, sorry, we won. Sorry. I said, I said, went, I know. No, I heard, yeah, oh, I heard one. I heard one. We're oh, going to play that, that back later. The next, uh, I think I said, 20, 2016 was when I was a, when I was a nationals fan. All right. So my, my actual second question I had, I just noticed that like Marcus Stroman, gets a lot of like good praise about being like a great pitcher for like the New York Mets. I'm not trying to slain the name of Marcus Stroman. It's just for, for a non-baseball fan, when I look at his stats, I see, like, for instance, this last game. I think it was the game he pitched today, right? Against the Rockies. He had eight innings pitched, uh, one run uh, allowed, three hits, and only five Ks. To me, I feel like I might also be blinded to the fact that I'm used to Jacob DeGrom's stat line that has, like, 15, 14, like, Ks on it. I feel like if I was like a GM of a baseball team and I had a pitcher on my mound, I would want a pitcher that racks up most amount of K's rather than a pitcher that's going to just like allow maybe like two or three runs. I don't know. It's just, what's, to the, me, like what's that, the question what's with the this question though? though? Yeah. The, the question is like, would you rather have a pitcher on your, on your, your starting rotation that like racks up the K's or just doesn't allow a lot of runs? Cause it feels like Stroman doesn't, rack up a lot of K's like he's not I guess he's more of a ground like he causes more ground outs or like easy outs for his team rather than like yeah. striking them out so I just don't know what's more what's valued more in baseball a pitcher like DeGrom that fucking just strikes the fuck out of everyone or a pitcher like Stroman where it's like okay he's gonna let up some hits but they're gonna be easy out hits well I mean you can have both like both guys can be valuable depending on how your team is like if if you had a bad defense behind Marcus Stroman he wouldn't be as valuable because they he he's never been a strikeout pitcher. He he's constantly like they said on the broadcast a bunch of times, like him and Antonio Sensatello um, were like two of the lowest uh, K per nine guys in the league. So, I mean, just because he doesn't strike guys out doesn't make him less valuable. It's just that he, like you said, he just induces a lot of ground balls. He gets those um, e- easier outs. He's not going to have the, the eye popping numbers, I guess, like, like you said where like a, a person who's not as in tune with baseball, you see, like, Oh, this guy only has like, like five strikeouts or four strikeouts a game. Like he's, he can't be that good, but it's just a different style of pitching. Yeah. I mean, both can be, both can be very effective, obviously. Like we're seeing it right now with the Mets and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little more in the show, but like you look at like what Jake does and Jake, just like you said, dom- like dominates them. He strikes out so many guys, double digit strikeouts, but Jake is kind of an anonymous, like anomaly. Oh, nano. Oh, not. He is a anomaly. A monoly. Anomaly, guys. It's an anomaly. A, lot, a, a monopoly. A monopoly. Uh, he is not normal. He's very good. So he does things differently than other people. So he's kind of hard to use as the standard. 
most guys who are strikeout guys are also tend, they tend to have wild streaks where they can't find the zone. Um, so that is something that definitely hurts them. And then with the guys who like Stroman, if they have a shitty defense behind them, that hurts them. Stroman's always going to get that soft contact. And like, it's either going to be played well by the infield or it's going to be played like shit by the infield. So Stroman's going to be always efficient. He's a strike thrower. He's not going to dominate you, but he's going to consistently get weak contact. So I feel like you're more likely to have a game that gets out of hand from one of these strikeout guys than a guy like Stroman. But so I don't know if that when is your No, no, that does. I, it makes makes sense that you would want to have like a good defense behind a pitcher like Stroman. I guess like when you like say like you see a stat line for a pitcher, what would you say the first stat is that you see, which is like where you're you're gonna really like understand like how good the pitcher actually is? Runs. Like do you look at strikeouts, you look at just runs. Earned runs or whip. All right. I guess for me, I was always looking at strikeouts, but now I, I should actually start looking at like runs because I feel like I mean, that's the more valuable stat. I mean, it is like a more strikeout driven league in, in this, like the modern baseball era. Um, so it is, it is a counting number. Uh, I'm not saying they're not like, it's not important. It's just, you're just a different type of pitcher. And it just because you have more strikeouts doesn't mean you're a better pitcher. Usually the guy with the lowest ERA is going to win the Cy Young award. So ERA is based off of earned runs allowed. So I, the first thing I'm looking for is how many runs did he allow? If it's a zero, the strikeout number is just a bonus. Okay. Yep. No, it, it's e- ERA, then whip, and then kind of everything else. Honestly, that's how you. And then there's like the more advanced analytics stats that we don't understand, but we got a better understanding with our conversation with Jolly Olive. Go check that episode out we, uh, last week. Um, but yeah, you, you can dive into those advanced stats if you want to. All right. Doctor. We ready? Yeah. Pat, you feel good? You got your questions out of the I way? I feel good. Yeah. Nice and loose. Great. Let's talk about what the message did this week. So I guess it's going to have a question mark at the end. We are going to start with the Philadelphia Phillies. The Mets sweep the Phillies. I think it's a sweep. We're calling it a sweep. I think, I think we should. I'm a little upset that this is the first quote unquote sweep and I didn't get to fully celebrate it being a sweep. So it was a four game series. Game four gets rained out. Uh, so we did not get game four. Honestly, it was going to be Jacob DeGrom going up against uh, Eflin, 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 Zach Eflin. Yeah. Eflin names are fun for Brian. We always knew that. Uh, but DeGrom had to go up against Eflin in a, a day game. I feel like that was going to be a win for the Mets, but you can't predict that with how the Mets score for Jake. But that being said, we'll call it a sweep. If you don't want to call it a sweep, you got to wait until June 25th for the fourth game of this series to be made up. So when they win game one of the June 25th game against the Phillies, you could tweet all out on Twitter that we swept the Phillies, whatever makes you happy. You want to call it a sweep? Let's call it a sweep. Regardless of which, uh, double header to start off this series, seven game double headers, regardless of how you feel about it. Uh, we got to see the rules pretty early on, on the extra inning man on second base, extra innings in the eighth inning mm-hmm. in the seventh inning, double headers. Um, but honestly, kind of a fun series. Uh, it kind of a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, the things that I kind of took away from this. So PJ, I don't, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts is um, Jonathan Villar is going to be a super important piece off this bench. And he's clutch as fuck. And I'm really, really excited to have him here. Yeah, we had everyone kind of jump down his throat early on in this, like very early on that first week where he wasn't hitting. He was hitting above Jeff McNeil. And we all just like kind of crucified the guy like, oh, what? fuck this guy. He's things. How is he hitting in front of Jeff McNeil? But no, he he's exactly kind of what you you brought him in to be. He's that, that utility guy who could play all around the infield. Um, he has a good enough bat. He's supposed to be a speed guy. We haven't really seen like the stolen bases that that much yet, but that's what he brings to the table. And, you know, 
these are the type of bench acquisitions that, that you like guys who can come in, in these situations and get big hits for you. Um, so Jonathan, like he had two big hits this series and another big one in Colorado. So he had a re- he had a really good week and I'm, I'm happy to see it because it's always nice to have that kind of go-to guy off the bench. So let's almost backtrack a little bit because we got, we got a lot of pitching performances to talk about um, on this week's episode. Taiwan Walker starts this game. He goes um, four and a third. He strikes out eight. He allows one run. Uh, what have you liked what you've seen from Taiwan Walker so far? I've liked how he gets. So he's had a very similar thing in both games that he started where he looks dominant uh, in his first couple of innings. And then he hits like one kind of snag inning to where like he kind of loses a little bit um, in the first one against the Marlins. He got out of it, gave up, I think two runs um, and then finished out, go one with six. This one, he didn't get out of the, the fifth, he only went four and a third, but the strikeouts are the strikeouts are there. He has a. I was looking at some like the trying to get into the the advanced stats more, but this isn't that advanced. But he's like in the top twenty five of MLB in, uh, strikeout per nine this year. So you love to see that. It's just the walks. I, I, I think is 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 a problem so far. But you know everything else is there. Everything everything I like uh, seeing him. He has a lot of good energy too. Like he he's generally just pumped. Like if you go on Twitter after, after the games, he him Stroman. Jordan Yamamoto, Trevor May, all these guys are all just absolutely stoked and talking up everyone on the team. So it's like cool things you like to say. I mean, yeah, like obviously like we've talked about this. I want people that like being a New York Met. And it seems like a lot of the acquisitions that we got this offseason are really embracing being a New York Met. I mean, we see it from Lindor. You kind of see it from McCann. I love that McCann's like wife and kids are at like basically every game all up in the booths. He's like waving to him after he hits his mm-hmm. first Met home run. Um there's some really cool guys that we acquired this offseason, And you wrote a really good blog on scooterinthebigman.com about players that we didn't acquire. And you kind of like gave your, you know, opinion on the guys we didn't get. So go check out PJ's blog. If you want to read some of that stuff. Um, another guy that we kind of saw here in this first game was Trevor may uh, Trevor may did go. He did let go of the run in the eighth inning, but you know, it's kind of like the unfortunate run because it's, it's not an earned run when they score in the extra inning. So the guy on second to start the extra inning is not an earned run, but he actually looked pretty solid that inning. It sucks that he let go of the run because he struck out two. And that was probably the best Trevor may has looked stuff wise in a Met uniform so far. It's, it's a reason why I absolutely despise this extra inning rule because you can have a guy who pitches a very good inning, uh, but still gives up a run with a chance to get the loss on the game. Like if they would have lost that game and he would have been attributed that loss, it would have been so just unfair on his part. To, to get that loss because he pitched very well that inning. It was just the, the stupid rule that that allowed the, the run to come in. But yeah, no, it, it was a good, it was a good, what's it called? Uh, outing, a good thing to see him kind of settle in and get that, that first like good appearance in, in a Met uniform. I feel like that's like a kind of a weight lift off his shoulder because he pitched in what, two or two or three games prior. They weren't really that good, but to have that first one off, like, all right, I, I can breathe now. I, I think I, I think I got this down. Um, so that like, was good to see. It's nice to see Pete Alonzo come through to tie the game up right away for us in the bottom of the eighth inning. And then Jonathan VR delivers uh, the big hit that gives the Mets the game one victory going into game two of the Philadelphia series. Um, we had another Marcus Stroman start Marcus Stroman doing the Stro show again against the, the Philadelphia Phillies. He was dominant and he looked phenomenal. Um, there was a little bit of not a controversy, but a weird thing that took place in this game where he pitched six, Great innings. 
he got on base in the bottom of the six. So he went up to hit. So everyone's like, okay, Stroman is going to pitch the complete game. He's going to pitch the seventh inning. Then he kind of got stranded out on the base path a while. And it kind of got a little controversial whether or not he was going to pitch that inning. Stroman actually went back into the dugout and said, listen, I was freezing out there. I don't feel like I should pitch. I wasn't like warmed up. Rojas kind of was already planning for that himself, but happy that Stroman agreed. And then they went a different route for the bottom of the seventh. But Stroman pitched phenomenal. Uh, he's dominated the Phillies both times he's faced them. And I'm really, really excited. I mean, this is, we have another Stroman start to talk about in a little bit, but Marcus Stroman has been everything you could want him to be. And then some, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it early in the off season. Um, who's going to be the breakout pitcher besides the Grom? You said Carlos Carrasco, um, which where that's to be, to be determined. He's looking at all the reports are that he might be coming back soon. Um, but we don't know that yet. I said, Marcus Stroman. Um, and I'm very just happy with, with what I'm seeing. I mean, we talked, we just talked earlier, like you don't have to have the big strikeout numbers to be dominant. He's got, he's got the under one ERA, just like uh, DeGrom has just doesn't have the, the flashy strikeout numbers, but he, he does what he's good at every single game. And that's induced ground balls. And now that you have Lindor and Jeffrey Neal is right position up the middle and you have the guys around him to kind of, uh, uh, strengthen his strengths already. Uh, that just makes him such a uh, terrifying pitcher to go up against. Can I say something that might be a little controversial here? Yeah. Um, I don't think Jeff McNeil's a good defender. I, I feel like he's... we, everyone got like, Oh, he was playing third. He wasn't that good at playing third. That's whatever. But like everything that I've seen so far from him this season too, like he just, he looks okay. He's good. He's not like Daniel Murphy bad. Like where I'm like cringing, like, I trust him to make the sure play. And he makes a couple nice plays here and there, but man, does he botch some and he kind of botches him more often than a reliable, sure glove second baseman should. Listen, I don't think he's ever going to win a gold glove or anything, but no. I think he's, I it, just be average. Honestly, like if you're, you have Lindor to kind of make up for uh, both sides of the ball. Honestly, like he's the, he's that good. At shortstop, so he can get to the range uh, more up the middle. He can range to third base to cover JD Davis. But all you, all I need him to do is make the routine plays here, uh, make a good play here and there. Um, and I think I think he's he's good with that. He's just don't put him over third base again. That was just a terrible experiment. Here's my last take on that. I'm going to say this. This might be a little bold. Pete Alonso is a better defensive first baseman than Jeff McNeil is a defensive second baseman. I think Pete gets a, a much worse rap as a defensive first baseman than, than he should. Cause like coming up from the minors, everyone said, Oh, you can't have this guy play first. He's a complete liability. And everything I've seen is like, he's not like, like he's not bad. He's like, he's a, he's made some really good plays at first. And I haven't really seen any uh, egregiously bad plays by him. So I don't really think that's like that hot of a take. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, I do want to, I do just want to go back real quick. If you, have anything else on, on Pete. I want to go back to the extra inning game. game no, go one. for it. Um, we've, we've harped on uh, Luis Rojas's managerial prowess this, this season so far. I want to point out uh, he made kind of an ingenious move in the, the, the extra inning game by doing the double switch to have the pitcher spot be Dom Smith's spot, uh, making the runner on second be Francisco Lindor instead of Dom Smith. Like that's that's just like a, a very very 
because they they've used this in the minors when Rojas was was down there. So he knows that that rule more than like all these MLB guys, like the the guys who have been in the majors uh, managing for a while. So that's something that popped out to me that I saw. I was like, I never really thought of that. I didn't know that was a rule. That's very good on Rojas to get a more speedy guy out there at second base. And it kind of, and it kind of helped because it was um, this, the single that, that Pete hit, I probably wouldn't have scored Dom and, and scored Lindor. So prop, props to Luis Rojas. We give him shit for when he does something bad, but we, you got to get props when he does something right. No, I think I even tweeted it out saying that um, Rojas made two decisions that helped the Mets win a game today. And, you know, I, I want, Here's the thing. Do I like Rojas? I'm, I'm like still 50-50. If I had to say yes or no, I'm probably no. But that being said, I want him to succeed. I want him to grow and be a great manager for the New York Mets. And he's starting to show glimpses that that's capable. I didn't, again, a 60-game season, that's not enough time to judge someone fully. Although I was calling for his job, I'm not going to act like I wasn't. I won't be a hypocrite. But I was calling for it. But I'm not... I want to give him a clean slate the way that you gave Edwin Diaz a clean slate going into this year. I want to give that to Rojas. The first Philly series was weird. Uh, He was kind of making some bad calls, but since then uh, he's looked pretty good except for something that happened in the Rockies series, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I do want to kind of finish up here with the Philadelphia Philly series, unless you have other stuff you want to get to on the double header. Nope. So Stroman looked great. Uh, The Mets have kind of handled Uh, Aaron Nola pretty well this season, raising that pitch count out in both starts. They've done really well. Uh, Mets win game two, four, nothing sweeping the double header. Uh, I can't remember the last time they swept the double header. That doesn't happen too often. So nice to see Uh, going into the quote unquote series finale. uh, David Peterson, man, what a comeback start after getting shelled by Philly in the first inning. The last time he saw him, uh, he goes six innings, one run, 10 K's. And honestly, he could have went further into this game. They pull him a little early. He only had 80 pitches. Um, But honestly, I love that. I'm okay with where you pulled him because he got beat up by this team pretty bad the last time he faced them in that first inning. The fact that he went six innings, one run, 10 Ks, and you take him out on such a high, I feel like the only thing that he has left now is good memories and good vibes going about that start. God forbid you put him out there in the seventh. He allows like a home run or like a double, then a solo shot. And then you kind of ruin the, the feel around the start. I, I, I'm kind of superstitious and I'm all about like keeping the good vibe going, especially with, especially when it's the young players, when you're a veteran guy, you're like DeGrom, whatever you're going out there, you're pitching that fucking inning on 80 pitches. This is an opening day, like go out there and pitch, but I'm okay with pulling the young guy early after him having a bounce back. And I like, I like it. I like it a lot. No, I um, I think that you're uh, you're right on that in the sense of keep the keep the confidence up. Let him go out there. Let him come out of the game on his the best game he ever pitched. Uh, honestly, like, like, ten strikeouts over six innings. He had a no hitter going for for a while too. I don't know what inning that kind of got broken up, but yeah, I, I completely fine with the move to pull him. It was the the right call. Uh, third time through the lineup, you kind of don't want to risk that on a guy who doesn't, who's never really had good success against this team. Um, but it was a good confidence boost. It was good to see him get that start and, and wipe away the first one. Um, I do want to uh, say about Aaron loop who had a rough game against the Phillies in the first one. He looked great. This game is ending in, in ending in two thirds. Uh, he took away whatever familia was trying to do um, clean that mess up and then got the, the entire next inning done. So, so props on him for, Another guy who really needed a bounce back outing. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm not going to harp too much on Loop's first outing with the Mets. Everything that we've seen since, um, I, I like. I, I really mm-hmm. think that that it, that inning and a third looked phenomenal. So I, I think the first outing was an anomaly. Oh, uh, non. Oh no, nope. No. Anonymous. We'll oh, Ohana means family. Oh, thank you, Pat. Uh, Pat also dropped some. Uh, he dropped some knowledge on us. Uh, Pat said the last time the Mets swept the doubleheader was on his birthday last yep. year, August twenty eighth, twenty twenty. So it did happen last year in the uh, the very strange year of seven. Oh, I think that was the Yankee series. I think that, that was, was the, the Ahmed. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was the Ahmed. Yes, it was. So yeah, good, good on Pat. Good job, Pat. Pat, Pat you. Can- you left for two weeks and you came back listening to the the actual podcast and you're paying attention. Good on you. You understand when you make those comments, it's like when your dog shits on the rug, <laughs> not for like all the time, then finally doesn't do it. Like this, this is, <laughs> I'm, glad I, I'm, I'm glad I can help. I'm glad I can help. Uh, Good job, Pat. Uh, so the Mets, treat. the Mets win the last game of this series, five to one. Uh, James McCann with a clutch, clutch home run. Uh, in the eighth inning to give the Mets some breathing room. This was a close game for most of the game until that eighth inning when the Mets kind of gave themselves some room with that home run. So nice to see James McCann kind of get his first big signature hit as a Met. He definitely got a signature moment defensively later on in the episode. We're kind of doing a lot of teasing because I feel like a lot of the cool things that we're going to be talking about happened in the Colorado Rockies series. Uh, PJ, do you have anything else you want to mention on the Phillies before we get to the Rockies? Uh, James McCann's heating up. That's good. Uh, fuck Gene Segura. I hate that guy. Let's move on to the Rockies. Yes, I completely agree. All right. So we go to the Rockies and right away, very similar to what has happened all season. First game is postponed. So right away, postponed for snow. So we've been down for COVID. We've been down for rain. And now we've been down for snow. So whatever's next for this 2021 Mets, I'm sure there's going to be some random fucking thing that takes place, like a delayed flight that like delays the team. I hate to hate to bring it up, but a Tuesday game against the, the Cubs forecast is snow. So, you know, might have more. Well, fuck, right? Yeah, that's all we got to <laughs> say. All right. So we got a double header to start it off. We got Jacob DeGrom on the mound. And I mean, PJ, Jacob DeGrom, man. I, this is this is something that's really challenging for me to talk about because I feel like I'm talking about a god because and I'm not trying to to over talk about Jacob DeGrom, but Jacob DeGrom is the greatest pitcher in the league and he's possibly the greatest. I, I think he's going to go. I, I think it's, he's going to go down. I'm trying to be careful because I'm very excited. Careful what you're saying, buddy. Jacob DeGrom is going to go down better than Tom Seaver did with the New York Mets. And I don't know if that's a hot take anymore, but he's going to shatter everything other than like his like complete games because guys just don't do that shit anymore. And I mean, everything like I, he'll probably not beat the wins and that's not Jake's fault. Like Jake should beat that. But I think all the numbers when it's said and done, Jacob DeGrom is going to be impossible to deny. And this is the comparison I want to use for you. I want to use Joe Montana and Tom Brady. I feel like the old generation, Joe Montana is Tom Seaver. And everyone's like, oh, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Eventually, the up and coming person is going to do something that you can no longer deny that he is better than what you knew in the past. Like Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl with the Bucs this year. He is the number one player to ever play in the NFL. He is the best. You can't deny that he is the best anymore. That is going to happen one day with Jacob DeGrom. 
in the Tom Seaver greatest Mets pitcher debate where Jacob deGrom is going to do something so ridiculous and so undeniable. And he's going to win a championship, if not multiple championships with the New York Mets. And you are going to look at Jacob deGrom and say, he is undeniably the greatest player to wear a Mets uniform. And we are so privileged to have watched him in his prime dominate. And I I really believe that by the end of his tenure with the Mets, all Mets fans across all generations will be like, Jacob deGrom was the best New York Met of all time. Listen, he it, it it's a bold thing to say that he's better than Tom Seaver, but I don't completely di- that he will one day uh, be looked at as better than Tom Seaver. But I don't completely disagree. What I watched on, on Saturday was just like, it, it was amazing. Like we've seen Jacob deGrom do amazing things on the mound. He's the best pitcher in baseball. I, I feel like if, if you're not, if you're really trying to debate the other side, you're just you're just either a homer or you're just a troll at the point. Like it, it's not, I I just don't think it's a, de- a debate. It's not a debate I'm having anymore. It, it's he he had nine strikeouts in a row, almost broke Seaver's record. Which I also they brought up a good point. Like in the age of strikeouts, like it, it's shocking that it hasn't gotten broken yet. But regardless, he was, had nine strikeouts. I was I was laughing just at every single one of those strikeouts. Just is like. This is I'm watching absolute greatness. This is this is history that that I'm I'm witnessing. He he didn't want to getting it, but my God, 14 strikeouts in six innings. I know the Rockies stink, and we will get on uh, other guys that we don't like for for dominating shit teams. But in the end, it's still 14 strikeouts against uh, a major league baseball team. Like it, he he does things on the mound that I have never seen anyone else. He he was the best pitcher I've ever seen play by far by far and it's just it just blows my mind that he somehow gets better uh each and every year the the guy's 33 like i feel like people uh think like oh degrom's only been in the league for however many years he's gotta be like 20 26 27 28 no he's in almost his mid 30s like and he's still he's his velocity is literally going up everything about him is getting better i just don't understand that you said you don't want to say like oh uh, it's like i'm watching a god pitch I, i think we are no i so Let's just talk about DeGrom's stats real quick on the season. Uh, he's one and one, and thank God he is one and one because if that man fell to 0-2 after back-to-back 14K starts, I honestly, people joke about it, but like I could have read an article being like, Jacob DeGrom punched every teammate in the face or like threw a 102-mile-an-hour fastball at every single teammate, and I'd be like, that's justified. Yeah. I wouldn't even yeah, no, I, like, that's fine. The 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 most famous... Tweet, uh, uh, meme, uh, Jacob DeGrom has not murdered uh, his his teammates yet. Uh, Jacob DeGrom leads the uh, league with ERA of 0.45. Uh, if you're wondering how that's possible because he allowed three runs in that inning, all three runs were unearned on the McNeil error. Um, so pretty cool. He also struck out 35 batters in 20 innings so far. That puts him fifth in the league and strikeouts. Oh, and by the way, everybody in front of him has one more start than him. Uh, So he's just been absolutely fucking ridiculous this year. What we're watching is the beginning of a historic year. And you just hope that he can contain this level, which we're pretty sure he can um, for an entire season, because the way he looks to start this year is better than he's potentially ever looked in any of his Cy Young seasons. He looks that good. So the best pitcher in the world is getting better 
And they better just win him fucking at least 15 games this year. I'm not really concerned with wins. I don't think it's going to matter too much. We've already seen it not matter too much in his Cy Young Award decisions. But you kind of just feel for the guy. You want him to have some wins. He deserves the wins. Uh, luckily, the Mets were able to pull it out. Um, Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor kind of being the heroes to get um, their boy Jacob DeGrom a comeback win. And happily, the win went to Jake. They came back and won the game, and the credit went to Jake, which is even better. Yeah, I was happy. Like you said, wins really don't matter in the grand scheme of things in terms of evaluating a pitcher, but it's always just nice to give it to him because he deserves it. Um, yeah, it was um, it was Alonzo getting – he had an RBI single earlier in the game. He hit a home run, too. I feel like that just kind of went under the winds because uh, it was like in the right after the three run inning. And I was like, oh, shit, we're going to blow this game for the Grom again, huh? Uh, it just kind of came out like, oh, all right. Um, but Jonathan VR, another big, big moment. Uh, talked about him earlier. He he came up clutch uh, again. And Francisco Gondor finally had his big Mets moment uh, or one of his big to come uh, moments. And like I said, clean slate. My, my guy, Edwin Diaz, he he had the weight lifted off his shoulder. He's looked phenomenal this year. Got his first save, too, which was kind of a – I was like, oh, shit, he doesn't have a, he didn't have a save until that point. But he looked dominant, though. Yeah, I think uh, the stat was the Mets had to record 21 outs that game, and they struck out 17 uh, with a combination of Jake and Edwin striking out the side there. So definitely a nice game. One victory for the New York Mets in the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, we head to game two where we get to see Joey Lucchese. Joey Lucchese make his first start of the season for the Mets. He has already pitched for the Mets in relief where he looked great in relief. First time on the bump to start the game. And it did not go well. Very similar to David Peterson's first start with the Mets uh, where he got roughed up for three runs in his first inning. Then he kind of settled in a little bit. He still really wasn't able to go deep into the game. Um, That being said though, the Mets were in this game. Um, there's a time in this game where when they took out uh, Joey that th- it was a three to two ball game. And I kind of want to start with this point. If you want, do you have anything on Lucchese before I start here? No, you kind of, you kind of hit it. It was like the Peterson start where he got roughed up and then looked better at the last two innings. So I, I've complimented Rojas earlier in this episode, but this isn't really going to be too much of a compliment here. I feel like we punted game two away of this Rockies doubleheader. Um, I understand you want to get guys work but it's a one run game. It's a seven inning game. DeGrom basically pitched the entire game, the game one. You've had extra days off. Everyone in the bullpen is fucking fresh. And we go to Gesellman and we go to Barnes. That being said, Gesellman actually looked pretty good. And I'm not going to insult him after he pitched well. He even looked like fired up and like kind of like into it. And you know what? If, if all the hate and shit talking has finally got to Gesellman, where he's going to do well, then let's go. I'm not going to be anti-Gaselman. I never want to be anti-Met player. I don't like Gaselman. That being said, I wish him well, and he looked re-motivated. He looked reinvigorated out there, and that was exciting to see. But, I, I mean, why can't, in a one-run game, why can't we use Trevor May? Like, isn't that what we're paying him for? Why isn't Trevor May in that spot? And he's fresh. He hasn't pitched. Like, it, it just didn't make sense to me why we weren't using our best guys in a one-run game. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I I think they just gave away that game. It felt like even me watching it, I was exhausted from the first game because it was such a roller coaster that I feel like everyone's like, yeah, this second game, we're very tired. We're just going to get the guys in there. But that's not how you, you go. I don't want anyone punting games because those 
Everyone says, oh, baseball is such a long season. The games in April don't matter. Well, when you if you miss the playoffs by one game, that game you punted in April matters. Um, so while I don't like what Rojas did, I I get the sentiment that people online and like uh, Joe DeMeo was was kind of on on the backs of this saying you need to get these guys some outings and with all these and all these postponements really hurts the Mets in terms of these guys haven't pitched all season they haven't pitched in three weeks in spring training so I, I you have to get these guys reps because you can't have three guys in the in the bullpen just being mop up duty guys like some of these guys need, are going to be able to to have to pitch in these uh, higher leverage situations that being said I don't think this was the time. In a, in a one run game, like you, like you said, just, just not the time to do it. Um, where Gesellman looked good. Trevor Hildenberg came in, looked really good. Uh, so he, he might be something, but Barnes just didn't have it. Um, you could go to Castro on that point. They had a, they had the game on, on Sunday. You had an off day on Monday. You didn't play two days before you had the rest. Like I just, I just didn't get it. We've talked about the pitching performances, uh, other things that I feel like we need to mention in this series before going into the series finale. Um, there's two Mets specifically. I, I feel like we need to talk about, um, first off, anyone that should talk to Michael Conforto's like slow start. I hope that you shut the fuck up because Michael Conforto looks fine. Uh, in this Colorado series, he kind of snapped out of his skid. He's had a couple nice hits. He's starting to kind of spray the like we know Michael Conforto can do. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. I think he, this was like his coming back series and let's see if it carries over into Chicago uh, with the day off, but everybody was calling for his head. And I know we weren't speaking too highly of Conforto, but I think for the most part, we were saying that like Michael Conforto's a star, you know, he's going to be a star. We know he's streaky at times, but you kind of ride with that. That's just kind of the player Michael is. So I'm happy that Conforto is back playing at this level. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely encouraging to see. Neither, neither of us were on the oh, get this guy out of town. Uh, he he sucks. Um, we're not on that angle, but we were like, it's a slow start. Uh, you you wish that it didn't happen, especially in the contract year. But he had what four hits this series. He, he was definitely better in game one. In game two, he kind of struggled, but everyone really struggled at the plate game two. Um, but he had uh, two hits on Sunday as well. So a nice little series for him. All all singles, nothing uh, spectacular. Oh no, he had he had a double actually. He stretched a single into a double. Um, but it was just nice to see, and hopefully that boosts him up for, for the, the, the rest of the season going into, going into Chicago. Now that we talked about one outfielder, we need to talk about the guy who got labeled as the fourth outfielder for the New York Mets going into this season that everyone was trying to get George Springer to come in and replace. And, I mean, hell, we were trying to get George Springer to come in to replace, so we were also on the, the losing end of this as well. Brandon Nimmo is playing like a fucking superstar he leads the major league in batting average and he leads the major league in on base percentage and i'm pretty sure he has like a 24 game consecutive on base streak going right now it's somewhere it's somewhere in the low 20s brandon nimmo and and he's also made some nice plays in center field he made a a catch um i believe it was today it was Mm -hmm. it was today in the uh the not the doubleheader in the stroman game uh where he ran back in center field and made a nice catch at the wall so Brandon Nimmo is playing great defensively. He is being an absolute star at the plate and being a great, great table setter for this team. And honestly, I just want to apologize. I want to apologize for being this way because Brandon Nimmo has always progressed to show that he could play at this level. I feel like he's always been an on-base guy. And you know what? And I, 
I, I don't know why I'm acting surprised by Nimmo's play. I think he's always been headed towards this direction, but my fans always just want something better. But I don't think you're going to find a better center fielder right now than Brandon Nimmo. I don't think either of us said that Brandon Nimmo sucks, but I think on on both of our on both of our parts, we were like, oh, there's better center fielders out there. And uh, while I don't think he's the best player in the league, he's a more than capable starting center fielder on a contending team. So with that being said, he's been phenomenal and the perfect leadoff guy for this team, for any team, uh, honestly, it was just always the the defense that was like, man, it, this guy was so much better in the corner. If we can move him over and get another guy in center field, it would be so much better. But I, I guess just moving, saying, hey, Brandon, take a few steps back in center field, that really fucking helped because he looks so much better out there. And it's crazy to think that a few steps back makes him uh, a plus a defender at, at this point. But I think the, the funniest stat that was said in the um, on the broadcast by Gary was that he's a negative launch angle. So he's just line drives and ground balls. He doesn't hit the ball in the area. Negative launch angle. Yeah. Like I said, I love Brandon Nimmo. I love everything he's doing. And honestly, Lindor hasn't really started hitting consistently yet. Once Nimmo starts getting on base, like he does at this clip and Lindor starts hitting behind him, this one, two punch to start games with Dom Smith now in the three hole consistently gonna be a fun way to start and i'm really looking forward to this team i really really am once these bats really start hitting they're getting on base but we're still just not driving in the runs yet and even with that the mets are still in first place yeah it's more just the the credit to the the starting pitching um uh, more than anything because this offense will heat up at some point um but just the absolute domination of the stars i think they have a, under a two era at this point all right, PJ. So you brought up starting pitching has been kind of at the forefront with a low, like two ERA for this team. We got to talk about the series finale of this game, which was Marcus Stroman against the Rockies. And apparently Stroman is phenomenal at Coors Field. Uh, he has three games there and he had a 15 inning scoreless streak at Coors Field, which is the third longest by a visiting starting pitcher. And I've mentioned this to you kind of off the air, but Marcus Stroman would be the perfect acquisition for the Colorado Rockies. I mean, the guy keeps the ball on the ground in a, in a ballpark where you don't want to get the ball up in the air in that altitude. So I don't want to ever lose Marcus Stroman. I hope we could keep him on the Mets for a long time, but man, that's like the, that's a match made in heaven. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Like why have the Rockies never went at this guy? He's the perfect guy for, for their ballpark, but hey, I'm happy he's on our team and I'm happy that we have to watch him pitch against it. Cause he looked just as good as he did in the Philly series. Uh, but this one, uh, eight innings, six, five strikeouts. I don't remember five, five strikeouts. Um, but his entire thing, everything about his uh, arsenal was on today, uh, inducing a bunch of ground balls. Um, he had the one inning where he just gave a run, but other than that, he was phenomenal all day. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at Marcus Stroman on the year. He's three and O with a 0.90 ERA and he's making phenomenal plays on the mound. He's showing so much expression. He, I love his like case struts. He's fired up. And he's very interactive with like the fans on Twitter and stuff. Like this is somebody that loves being a Met and he loves this team. He says in every interview he gets that he loves the energy on this team. And honestly, Marcus Stroman, man, oh man, like he's pitching at another level. And I, I'm so excited that he's here and on this team. And, you know, we talk about extensions all the time, but I really think that this is one that the Mets should start feeling out too, because I really don't want to lose Stroman. The, the play that he made on the mound was one of the most incredibly weird plays I've ever seen. 
he made the the backward swing in the glove, but he had, I just laughed because like he had so much time to set himself and throw and say, threw it off his back foot and like had a 17 hopper to, to Alonzo got the ad. It was just, it was a hilarious play, but yeah, no, you're right. We got, they probably got to think about an extension with him. Um, I know we've more talked to oh, Syndergaard and obviously Conforto, but Stroman's pitching at a Cy Young level at this point. You got to think about bringing it back long-term. So we're going to start transitioning into another part of this episode, but we are talking this whole time. We've been talking about the first place, New York Mets. Um, I know we don't talk about the Yankees, but we're going to bring on somebody who, who does talk about the Yankees. Uh, you might've heard him on a previous episode of Scooter and the big man. This is going to be our boy, John. And I don't know if he's realized this PJ because he's obviously not here yet, but we only have him on when the Yankees are doing poorly. And the Yankees have the worst record in the American League, and they're in last place. So this is the perfect time to have our our resident Yankee fan come on the airwaves for Scooter and the Big Man. That's who he has to say. All right. So we talked about it earlier. We are now welcoming on very special guest, John, our resident Yankee fan. Uh, We always have him on when the Yankees are doing swimmingly well. So, John. Welcome back to Scooter and the Big Man. Scooter, big guy. Nice to see you. How are you doing? Dude, we're doing good over here. Uh, I'm glad someone's doing great right now. Oh, yes, thank you. So, John, Yankees have the worst record in the American League. They mm-hmm. are in last in the division. Talk to us about your New York Yankees. I mean, second the worst record in baseball right now. Uh, I mean, this team, I, I don't even know where to begin, okay? I, I, I watch them. Every day, I don't know why I do this to myself. Maybe I like to torture myself or what. But every day, you know what I had to go through today just to watch the game because they're playing the Rays with blockout restrictions. Thank you, NordVPN. I had to subscribe to a VPN in addition to my MLB TV to watch this performance. I got to watch Garrett Cole go up there, let up three earned runs. And you say, hey, three earned runs, not that bad of a day. But not when your offense can't hit for anything right now. I got to watch this every single day. I got to be in misery. I got to watch Stan go up there, look at two pitches right down the middle of the strike zone and swing at one of the other batter's box. I mean, my goodness. Oh, enough's enough. I can't take it anymore. But you know what? I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep tuning in every day. And hey, listen, Glaber, everyone says Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres. Oh, the Yankees won that trade for Chapman for Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres is not a shortstop. All right. Let me tell you that right now. He might be a great hitter. He's going to be a great hitter no matter where he goes, but he's not a shortstop. And you got him plugged in at short. He's got a long jam at second base. And Jay Bruce, oh, thank God. Jay Bruce is done. How, uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for him. Please don't let the door hit you on the way out. But this team, it's all the same. Home runners, strikeout. All they do is strike out. It's unbelievable. You finished? Yeah, for, for now. So, so this is the worst... This is the first time they've had the worst uh, record in the American League since what, 1997, I think it was? 98. 98. It's you know close what enough. They did that year, too. Uh, what? They went on to have the second best record in the history of Major League Baseball, won the World Series against San Diego Padres. You might see a repeat of that. Uh, can you talk to me about your trash fans just throwing baseballs on the field real quick? I'll hang up and listen. Listen, that's gotten a lot of play over the past few days. You got a bunch of idiots throwing baseballs onto the field. It's not Yankee fan. I mean, they might have been Yankee fans, sure, but it's a handful of them. You can't come out and say Yankee fans are disgraceful because other fans would they be, John? 
Oh, it happens everywhere. Don't tell me that only Yankee fans do that. Put on a ball game. Any year, you're going to see someone throw something onto the field at some point. There's buffoons everywhere in this country. You go. It's I have never, I have never once seen another fan base throw actual baseballs onto you the may, field. Oh, you then watch some more baseball. My not goodness. in bulk. You, I've never seen bulk. bulk. Oh my god! People catch home runs and throw that back, but not like thousands of fans throw baseballs no, onto the threw, field. It, you threw a bucket of balls. You know, just like the you, last time I was on, I called Aaron Boone Booney, and then I, you know, I hear you guys mocking me for the next twenty minutes after I leave the segment, saying, "Oh, no one calls him Booney. No one calls him Booney." Well, let me tell you, Scooter and the big guy, you got to watch some more baseball then if you've never seen people throw stuff onto the field before. Do you, Jeez, do you Louise. I'm John the, Booney? Booney. Is Booney on the Booney. hot seat? Booney, not, not yet, but if they keep playing the way they're playing right now, I'll tell you what, not, it's not going to be too long until he is. John, I, I just want to I just want to go back to the baseballs real quick. You basically threw BP at the outfield, uh, by the way. Um, but you other than that, at the range, have, you should have thrown it towards they, the Yankee dugout. They have they have what like the I think the fifth lowest batting average in the majors yeah. right now. Like absolutely. they just look absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um like Cole Cole looks looks good, but everyone else kind of uh is just like nothing really going for them. What mm-hmm. like what can what can they do? You have Cole who's pitching his heart out every day. Like I guess he has a three runs. A three run, you know how it is. Same stuff with Jacob DeGrom. He, he's got Jacob DeGrom syndrome out there today. He lets a three run. You say, okay, that's a quality start. Not with this lineup. Because let me tell you, this lineup can't hit a lick. I mean, finally, DJ LeMayhew's starting to be DJ LeMayhew again. And when DJ LeMayhew's DJ LeMayhew, he's Mickey Mantle, okay? I Who's mean, wow. what, a, what, a, what a fucking wild sentence. You know, when, when DJ LeMayhew is DJ LeMayhew, he can't be beat. Mount Rushmore of contact hitters in the game right now. But outside of that, what do you got? Let's go down the I mean, you're running Aaron Hicks at the three hole and you got Stan in the four hole. I mean, neither of these guys could hit anything to save their life if it depended on it. And you run him out there every day. Hicks was a lower in the lineup the other day. What does he do? He goes 0 for 4 and boom rewards and moves him up to the three hole. You gotta be kidding me. All right, I got I got unbelievable. Two. I got two questions. Once again, we're only having John on for 10 minutes and then we're abruptly kicking oh, him out. Even 15. if he's still going 10, uh, you got five minutes left on this. I got two questions. I want you to touch on, I want you to touch on Aaron judge and what your concerns are with his long-term future, maybe even potentially signing a long-term contract to somebody who's consistently getting dinged up and out of the lineup. And then I also want you to bring it back home and talk to me about Garrett Cole being the best pitcher in New York. Like you claimed the last time you were on. I mean, first of all, with Judge, I mean, what do you want? The guy, he can't stay healthy on the field. So inevitably for the Yankees, you got a guy, homegrown guy, the fans love him. You got the judges chambers out and right. All that's going to do, it's going to decrease his value on the open market. The Yankees are going to get under the uh, luxury tax threshold after the season. Moving forward, if he keeps playing like this, guess what? You're going to get him at a premium. They're going to bring him back because the fans love him. That's all there is to it. Because as long as you got John Carlos Stanton standing next to him, he's the villain. And Judge gets off scotch-free. And that's just the fact that the matter. That's how it is. So, you know what? If he keeps hitting like this, if he keeps or he keeps getting hurt like this, I should say, he'll be here forever. And Yankee fans will be happy. And he, when he's healthy, he'll play great. When he's not healthy, you'll be reminded of what could be. That's all there is to it. I mean, but I, would I love to see him stay healthy? Absolutely. I'd love to see the Yankees go into a, bar, you know, a bargain war, not bargain war, bidding war, rather, with another team. And bring him back that way too. It will be more competitive, yes. But again, he's 
what Aaron Judge is to the Yankees what Derek Jeter was to the Yankees. And he brings much more than a batting average and home run totals. He's the face of that franchise right now, especially when you got Sabathia gone. You know, Brett Gardner's on his way out the door. It's Aaron Judge's team moving forward. Okay. Garrett Cole and Jacob DeGrom, what do you want me to say? Hey, I mean, Garrett Cole's doing his best Jacob DeGrom impersonation, if you ask me. At this point, he's getting no run support and he's going out there, you know, pitching his rear end off every day. Can you tell me? Who's the best pitcher in New York? Best pitcher in baseball. Baseball. Shohei Otani. No, I'm absolutely joking with that. (laughs) Listen, it's April. Okay. The way the Yankees are playing right now, I can't, you know, I, I have every right to be upset. But at the end of the day, you know, you don't know a team until Memorial Day. Look at look at a team at Memorial Day, and I'll tell you a team. I, I completely agree with that, by the way, because the Mets usually fall off between Mother's Day and June. And I talked to a couple of Mets fans today at work where I was saying that if the Mets are going to be good this year, I need to see what their record is on is on July 1st. Because if the Mets yeah. are over 500 on July 1st, I'm going to be feeling really good about myself. We always struggle from that Mother's Day to June time span. That being said, you never answered the question who the best pitcher in baseball is. I want a definitive answer from your mouth, and the answer is not Shohei Otani, although he is <laughs> very impressive. Hey, I, I mean, if you look at history, Jacob DeGrom's got the numbers for sure over a longer time span than Garrett Cole. But if you mean, I, I can't say Garrett Cole is better than Jacob DeGrom in 2021 when he's only started, what, four games so far to this point. I, Could you say? pitch that. What are they, have the Mets played what eleven games now? Can we say how many rainouts have you had? All right, so then let's see. Is seven postponements? Is Garrett Cole in twenty twenty one better than Jordan Montgomery in twenty twenty one? Yes, but you've only seen them in a, a limited amount of time. So how could you make that judgment? Uh, so okay, so the, look at the stats oh. right now, toe to toe. What? what pull, pull Get his ass, Brian. Pull I don't have time ERA. to pull up ERA. You got two minutes on the clock. You better move. Okay. Well, all right. Well, show me the stats then. Between the two of them, you want to go head to toe. But I'm going to tell you right now, mound to mound, Montgomery. I know what Montgomery is, and I know what Cole is. And I know what the ceilings are. You're, you're measuring two different types of pitches here. You have Garrett Cole, whose ceiling is at the roof, and you have Jacob DeGrom, who's ceiling at the roof. Now, I know Jordan Montgomery's all the way down here. Gumby's not matching up to Gumby. Garrett Cole. You want to go check that one, too? They call who him calls Gumby? him Gumby? Oh, everyone calls him Gumby, including your arrival, Joe Girardi over there in the Phils. Look that one up too. Call me out on that. What's going to be the Yankees record real quick? Are they winning the division? They're going to win 97 games. If they don't get their act together soon, they're a wild card team. Boston's their only threat. You think Boston's legit? They can be. Yeah, with Alex Cora back, I I think those guys rally around Cora more than people lead on. And um, I like what they did with that roster with Verdugo. Um, the additions they made in that bets trade. I think they are a real threat. Are you scared of Matt Harvey throwing a no hitter at New York Yankee stadium? No, no. You should I, I don't think Matt Harvey will be on the roster the next time they play the Orioles. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that That's- was our resident Yankee fan, John. Thanks John for joining the program again. Uh, we always love having you on to, to roast some New York Yankee baseball. Thank you, John, for coming on. Uh, now we're going to transition over to our draft this week, which is uh, a draft of rivalries. I think just uh, in the spirit of all things rival. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think that this, this was just a random. This was a random draft. Yeah. Call it as it is. 
it's it's a yeah there's no really reason for rhyme or reason for this just uh this was what i thought of so we're gonna do it uh i hate this whole intro so we're just gonna keep going uh keep battling pat you're doing well keep battling uh just like how i'm battling this intro right now um we're gonna do drought the rivalry so we're gonna do me pj and brian uh any thoughts before we go into this draft i know i have i've been absent the past two has it been two or no it's yeah, just the last, last one, one right no, the last okay. two, Mike, Mike, and Matt. No, Pat was here no, with, I think when Mike was, I was drafting. Here. I was oh, that's here. right. No, I was here with Matt. No, no you were no, here with Mike. Mike no, Mike, you weren't. Mike, with Mike, Mike, Matt. You, you missed the deal. If you didn't see that draft, go back and watch Matt told the inelectric Animal Crossing story. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm coming off a, a bye week. I'm not, I'm honestly, I, I was not in the right mindset. So hopefully this draft translates well. Uh, but with my first pick, I'm going to go with uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. I I hold very true to this rivalry. I've watched their uh, documentary about the rivalry maybe at least seven, eight times from the back. I also did, uh, for a public speaking class uh, my freshman year, I did it about Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. So at one point in my life, I knew a lot about the rivalry. Uh, through through uh, the years, I forgot. But I still, it's still a really good, it's one of the best rivalries in sports. I mean, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, just three championships to, I think, Magic's, how many Magic? I think Magic has four, four or five, I think. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know. This is, this is just, your pick. Yeah. Yeah. I should have done some research or <laughs> done this back in 2015 I feel like when you, I was a freshman. I feel like you tried to really prove your point with this pick and that you kind of over, you kept going and going and going and you talked yourself out of the pick. But you you yeah, did pick I, it. Sometimes I like I talk too much. Uh, but yeah, I, no. But Larry Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. It's a good it, pick. It's just, I mean, it's it, an easy easy pick. It is an all time like basketball rivalry. Um, I'm not invested in the Celtics or Lakers, so it doesn't mean as much to me. But I know I know enough that the, that was a huge '80s rivalry. Yeah, and just let I me. Mean, you talk about like a big part of like a good rivalry too is like behind the scenes and how like they they were like fantastic friends. But like just competitive, mm-hmm. like athletes on the court, they were like bitter rivals. Yeah, two so, two of the greatest basketball yeah. players of all time. Cool. All right. Uh, you had you had just sold. Yeah. Um, my turn. Um, you know what? I have a brand. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon. It's okay. the tra- it's, it's the pick that I I thought Pat might might take it from me just to be a dick, but it's the greatest wrestling. It's the greatest rivalry in wrestling history. It's the the biggest the biggest rivalry in the biggest period uh, of wrestling. Uh, countless, countless, countless insane moments from that rivalry. Um, that's all I really got to say. I, I know Brian doesn't give a shit. Pat, your thoughts? No, that's good. I mean, I, you, you, when I go back in my mind of like great wrestling moments, I always go back to it's either involves Vince McMahon or Stone Cold, like mm-hmm. some some type of faucet facet of their uh, their rivalry. That's so no, a good pick. They like were they Stone- were. I mean, oh god, so many good. Stone Cold coming out on a beer truck and just spraying everyone with, with beer. Um, Vince revealing himself to be the higher power is me, Austin's me all along. Like it, mm-hmm. just great, just great moments. That I go back to all the time and the best, the best rivalry in wrestling history. Yeah, no, absolutely. Couldn't, agree. Could, couldn't agree more fellas. There you go. I was going to say, how Brian? about that wrestling? All right. So I go back to back here. Uh, I like what's on the board. PJ knows for sure that I definitely like what's on the board here. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'm going to, well, I've won one draft out of 30. So 
I'm going to stay true to myself until the winds start coming in. I got shit from one of our followers. I know he's listening to this right now. Tom G. Tom G. Told me that I was really bad at drafting. <laughs> Straight up. Didn't even try to like code it in any way. He was like, maybe just have better picks. I was like, thanks, Tom G. So shout out Tom G. For roasting me. Solid that being right. said. My first pick in this is going to be something that I always found very entertaining. It is from the series of Family Guy. It is Peter Griffin versus the chicken. Mm, uh, it's a good pick. Any of those little matches that they have, uh, the all out just fucking brawls. Uh, it's just fucking grade A comedy. And they could drop that chicken in whenever they want and just be like, oh, we need to kill time. Well, why don't we drop the chicken in for like a 20, 30 second fight scene with Peter Griffin? And then we'll just like continue the episode like nothing happened. So very fond of those moments. So Peter Griffin. Versus the chicken. That's a good pick, Brian. I, I, I really, really like that pick, actually. Um, you said 20 or 30 seconds, bro. It was like five minutes. Like it, yeah. it, it's exactly what it is when they don't have enough actual material to finish an episode. Let's bring the chicken in and, 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 and do that for five minutes and we're good. That's the best part of the chicken and Peter Griffin fights where like you'll like binge watch Family Guy or like throw a random episode on and you'll never know what episode the chicken fights are on. Yeah. So like you'll be watching it and literally in the middle of nothing, just Peter will go, you and then just point at the chicken, and then it'll be like a five, five, ten minute fight scene. It, it's it's a phenomenal little surprise you get in each like a random episode you watch. So no, I agree. It's a good pick. Uh, my number two pick is going to be something dear to our childhood. So maybe not to others per se, but uh, growing up, we watched a lot of SpongeBob, and uh, watching Mr. Krabs and Plankton duke it out for the Krabby Patty formula uh, is an all time rivalry. Uh, for sure. So you could do this as uh, sponge. You could do it as Mr. Krabs versus Plankton, or if you want to go to just the restaurant chains to keep it a little more professional, the Krusty Krab versus the Chum Bucket. What do you want on the graphic? Yeah, pick one or the other. I would probably do Krusty Krab versus the Chum Bucket on the graphic. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go with the wording on that better. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like every single episode of SpongeBob had Plankton in it in some capacity trying to get his hands on the Krabby Patty formula. And it was like always just like a little side story of every single episode, like never the main plot, but then out of nowhere, it was just like, Oh, here's a cutscene of Plankton disguised as this person trying to get the formula. And he would always like foil it on himself, but there are a couple incidents like where he gets it. And like the movie even is the SpongeBob movie that we grew up with, you know? So I'm going to say that number two pick, I feel good about it. No, that's a good pick, Brian. I, I like that. Um, the SpongeBob movie that we grew up with, the only SpongeBob movie I'll recognize, even though I don't really have a gripe with the other ones. I just, I really love that one growing up, but it's a good pick. Yeah, Thank I you. agree. Thanks, um, Appreciate you. So my pick next, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go the, the fictional, the fictional route here. I'm going to go Batman versus the Joker. Uh, the Dark Knight, the, the two is name movie. One of the honest to God, best movies of all time, best superhero movie of all time. Batman versus the Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker is a phenomenal, phenomenal character. One of the, the best acting performances I, I've seen. Um, you can just go back and just the entire uh, canon of Batman. The Joker is the number one enemy right there. And it's just an all-time, all-time rivalry on guys who like, it, it kind of says like, oh, you don't really need to have uh, superpowers to have an insane like superhero rivalry. So I'm going to go Batman versus the Joker. I like it. It was on my board. I can't lie. It was a good pick. Thank you. No, I, I like so it a lot. I didn't know uh, where I, I didn't know where I liked it. I I just would have I was gonna maybe wait, um, but I was like I, I I see it here. I really want it. I'm just gonna take it uh, where I I think it should be. I think it's a it's a first second round uh, rivalry. So I took it there. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So now it's my turn. Uh, back to back, Pat. I can already tell it's like 
So I wanted to go chalk the flank my first one or two picks. And then I'm going to go like, I'm not saying your picks were bad, but it's, I, I've kind of strayed away from like very base, not, I don't want to say basic, but very just like, okay, like these are rivalries. I kind of, some of these I like take. You didn't want to take the rivals and the rivalry draft? I'll, uh, no. Uh, so, but I mean, I'll, 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 we'll see how this draft works out, but I'm going to try not to rework my board now. Uh, so, number two, I guess I'll just go easy. Um, ask, Ash, not Ass. Ash Ketchum oh, versus you Team piece Rocket. Of shit. That's you a good pick, Pat. That's a good pick, so, Pat. That was literally my next fucking pick. I can't yeah, believe you took good. that. So I originally, actually, I originally had Ash Ketchum versus Gary. But then I realized I don't really know much about their rivalry, oh, so I'm like, okay, I'll go a little Pat. easier. So Ash no, Ketchum I th- I th- that's the better pick. Rocket. I think that's the better mainly, pick, Pat. That's a great one. because, thank you. Mainly because I've been rewatching the original, like, first season of, like, uh, Pokemon on Netflix. Now that it's on, and just seeing the stupid shit that Team Rocket would do to try to fucking just screw over Ash and get Pikachu is just so fun. It's so funny. It's just commitment. It is commitment to the core. It is a a valuable. I had thank God because I just switched that from my third pick to my. Oh, doesn't matter. I have back to back picks. Yeah, back to back. Either way, you were either way you were screwed, Brian. Sorry. Uh, But yeah, I'm going Team Rocket versus Ash. Great rivalry. It's a good pick. Uh, And then number three. Number three, I'm going to go back to sports. Uh, I think nowadays it's not really as strong as a, as a rivalry, but in this one instance, in this one like period of time, it was a really like intense rivalry. I'm going Odell Beckham Jr. versus Josh Norman. More specifically, that 2015 New York Giants versus Panthers game where literally it was the most bizarre experience watching as a fan because it was the game where literally every snap the refs had to stop Odell and Josh Norman from like going at it. Like I think Odell was throwing his helmet on the sideline. He was frustrated. Josh Norman was like literally getting like elbows and like punches to his back. And the refs were, the refs didn't throw either of them out. It is, I got to find the exact date of the day of the, uh, the game, but I think um, it was the 2015 season when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl. but it was literally just like a heavyweight matchup between a great wide receiver and a great cornerback. And they were physically hurting each other. And just the rest were like, okay, we're just going to let it go. So I'm going to go with Odell Beckham Jr. versus Josh Norman for my third pick. It's a solid, solid pick. I mean, it was only the the one game. So it was that big of a, a rivalry thing. It was, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would call that a rivalry. I think it was just like a one game spec because I haven't seen them do anything else. I hate that. that. I hate that you wasted the Team Rocket Ash pick in this fucking shit ass draft that you're doing right now. <laughs> well, because, no, I also, I mean, I'll defend my pick a little more though because. Then that following year was when Norman went to the NFC East. Yeah. And that was when the whole story was like, oh my God, now they're going to go up against each other for like two, uh, two times a year. And then that's where it kind of like fizzled out a little bit because it was still like, it had its moments, but Norman kind of regressed after that Panthers year. And then Odell didn't like lose his step, but like, I think shortly after left the NFC East. So it was, it was cool. It was a cool little like sports topic because like no one knew what was going to happen when those two were on the field again. A bad pick. So, Keep going. Uh, bad pick. Uh, Brian, uh, you're just jealous, so suck an egg. <laughs> um, uh. God, we're heated now. So I got some stuff I, I like on the board. Uh, I will take this one, though. I will keep it fictional, non-sports. Uh, I'm going to go with, you know what? I don't know now. I don't know how I want to word this because I'm, I'm thinking of, of, of two things. You know what? I'm going to go with the, uh, the Rebellion versus the Empire in Star Wars. 
I, I originally okay. wanted to go Luke versus <laughs> Vader, and I, I'm still, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go that. I'm going to go with the 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 Rebellion versus uh, the Empire in, in Star Wars. That's how I'm going to officially put it in my pick. But I mean, an entire trilogy plus some of these two fighting these two uh, entities and uh, uh, groups fighting. I think it's a huge rivalry for for the the freedom of the galaxy. Are you I mean, it's team uh, Empire or Rebellion? Uh, I mean, in the first movie, Luke's kind of a, a little crying bitch. Um, but, you know, you always root for, the, you root for the good guys in the end. And sometimes. Uh, Force Awakens, I think he was a bitch, too. No, uh, the second was, one. Uh, episode uh, seven. Last Jedi. Last Jedi. No, Fuck that movie. Yeah. Um, no, it's a good pick. I, I like it a lot. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you put me in a weird spot here, though, because there's a lot on the board. I feel like we're all. There's always going to be a lot on the board. There's a lot of things available. Can we get rid of this, <laughs> this commentary? My God, we sound like a fucking echo. It's always after someone's pick. Good pick. Oh, there's a lot on the board. Mm, I can go a lot of directions. Yes, there's a lot on the board. There's an infinite amount of things on the board, Brian. Sorry. Are you okay, buddy? Maybe the rivalry Just... is Pat and Brian right now. Rivalry? The rivalry is you and words in the English language. All right. Well, thanks for stealing my pick. <laughs> all right. Continue. Um, Sorry. No, Can let's be, be friends. Let's be real here. I want to win. Uh, I'm tired of fucking losing. I lose every single draft. So next two picks are just going to be fucking picks to win the fucking thing. So let's just get it over Tuckin'? with. Tuckin'? Pat, I'm really <laughs> going to dunk my balls in your mouth. <laughs> fucking tired of you. Um, next pick. Biggest rivalry in sports. He's Red Sox, do it. Yankees. Uh, Red Sox versus Yankees. I mean, I, I hate the Yankees, but... We had this last deuce bag on John. So I guess I'll fucking segue into this Red Sox versus Yankees is a first round pick. I just don't think people wanted the Yankees logo in their fucking uh, like graph traffic on a Mets podcast, but it's hard to deny. Uh, they've had fights. They've had playoff series. They've had the Red Sox take them out in the playoffs a couple of times. They've just had some fucking overall fantastic moments uh, as a sports fan. And with the Red Sox being good again this year, I hope we get some more because those series are fun to watch. Kind of what the Dodgers and Padres are becoming, I think, is what the Yankees and Red Sox have always been. So that being said, Red Sox, Yankees, fucking much watch television. You know, for sure, they're going to get a couple primetime games and they're going to be fucking fun games to watch. Um, so, yeah, it's my third pick. You have a back to back picks, Brian. Good choice. I, I, I didn't know if anyone had. No, it's it's it, like you said. It's it's the the pick that could have been a one one, but in the, neither of us uh, wanted the Yankees kind of on our graphic. But it is one of the biggest rivalries in in all of sports. There's just no denying that whatsoever. Yeah, good pick. My next one is going to be more of a, pick. Is going to be more of a Brian pick, um, just to kind of offset what I just did there to go with the pandering of the pick. Uh, I'm going to go to a classic because Pat Pat kind of attacked us on how we're doing our draft so far. PJ, he said that we're not doing obscure enough things that aren't considered rivalries, but then he did a clear cut rivalry. Just, just wait, wait till so my last didn't really make a lot of sense. So I feel like with this pick, I might steal something that Pat has, because this is a very Pat pick. So my number four pick is going to be uh, the Capulets versus the Montagues. No, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. Those families were fighting forever where the two star crossed lovers couldn't be together. And the only thing that created peace was a double suicide. So, you know, <laughs> Capulets and Montague's for the fourth, for the fourth pick in the draft. You, we need to put that as like the brief ex explanation in like the Romeo and Juliet Wikipedia page. 
Brian's little, <laughs> yeah, star-crossed lovers, and the only thing that they can make it better is double suicide. <laughs> that was that hey, was a how, beautiful explanation. How can we be together? Oh, let's just both kill ourselves. God, what a wild, what a dark fucking book Fuck. for us to read as kids. Fucking dramatic. I feel like that's something you sh- you shouldn't read for like until you're much older than than you you were taught it, but. They knew each other for like yeah. two days and they just killed these, like they killed themselves on top of each other. Like it's just, it's you've never, you've never met a um, person in your life where you're like, after two days, you just want to kill yourself with them. I mean, I've interacted with you for like two days and it makes me want to, but like, that's okay. not really, I'm not in love with you. It's just how I feel. Aww, about Brian. You. I don't <laughs> let you guys bicker. I, I would, I would already, I would argue against that. Thus uh, with a kiss, I, I die. die. See, there you oh, go. oh, maybe we are meant oh, to be baby. together. I cannot read. PJ, can you leave the draft? This is actually. Had I <laughs> no, we're just going to recite. We're going to recite Romeo and Juliet. Uh, emergency podcast. Uh, a reading of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, <laughs> I would, ab- Brian I would and absolutely do it. Honestly, if we ever need to kill a week, why not? All right, PJ. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, hmm. I'm not going to say the words. Wait, Are you going to sing I, them? No, uh, <laughs> no. You, Pat, Pat, do you want me? To, do you want me to say it? There's a lot on my board. I don't want six. I don't want to oh, offend those you. Words. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was trying there to be, is. I was, trying, I was trying to be nice, but you know, Pat, you you go to me into that. Um, there's a lot on that fucking board, and PJ. I bet, I bet there's a lot of ways you can go too. There are a lot of ways I can go. <laughs> I, I can I can go I can go this way. I can go that way. I can go the other way. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go this way and uh, take another uh, take a sports rivalry on par with uh, Yankees Red Sox. I'm gonna take UNC Duke. The biggest college basketball rivalry of all time. Um, two uh, historic programs that have just been at each other's throats for for years. Both teams pretty much sucked this year. It was a weird year anyway. But you know, when you have uh, when you have UNC and Duke uh, on top of their games, it is like must watch television. the 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 shot, the Austin Rivers shot over, I think it was Tyler. It was Tyler Zeller. Um, is one of uh, my fondest. College basketball. I'm not a fan of either team, but it's just one of the most iconic shots that I can think of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good pick. That's I'm, I'm trying to like think of another college rivalry that can kind of can like compare, but no, that's really the first like the number one. Yeah, there's a there's like a college like a college football one that that comes to mind too. But I, I'll mention an honorable mention. I don't want to give picks away. No, um, but Pat, your um, pick. All right, so. This, this is where, the end of your draft. Yeah, your last two yeah. picks. So my drafts are usually uh, front-loaded, as Bad. if the, fr- the first oh. three picks are solid, and then the last two picks are kind of my picks. Debatable. So, uh, so my fourth pick, I'm going to go uh, Pat Lavin versus New Year's Eve, New Year's resolutions to start consistently going to the gym. Uh, it's a rivalry as tale as old as time. Uh, every New Year's Eve. Not New Year's Eve. Every New Year's resolution, I tell myself I'm going to start going to the gym more. And every New Year's Eve, New New Year's resolution. You don't even know your pick. I'm changing it. Pat versus the English language. He can't. No, I'm not changing. But no, it's it's me versus telling myself I'm going to start going to the gym. That's it. I you, I, you, you do this pick that's like already kind of like weird, and you know it's going to lose you votes. And then you you can't even get like the wording of it all down. And then you just fucking like yeah. eat it the entire time. And now no one even probably knows what your pick is until they see the actual graphic. So do you want to just say again what your pick is? My pick is Pat versus telling himself he's going to go back to the gym. No, I don't like that wording. Um, Pat, um, Pat versus New York, his New Year's resolution of going to start going to the gym. That's what it's going to be. Final right. answer. 
All right, Pat, your last pick. Uh, my Best final pick? What so could now, be worse than that? Mm, just wait. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Don't like that. Uh, my final pick. Uh, so right now, I, I think we're thinking two-dimensional right now. Uh-huh. It, it's this versus that, this versus that. No, no, no. My pick is the first pick in the draft where there's three entities to the rivalry. And I'm going, this is probably as old as time itself, this rivalry. I'm going rock versus paper versus scissors. It is a great rivalry. Rock is always trying to get an upper hand over paper, but always loses. Paper is always losing the scissors. Scissors is always losing the rock. It's a great triangle trifecta of a rivalry. And you both hate how that's a good pick. Solid or, pick. Or, or is your screen frozen? I don't know. I don't like this reception. No, it, it's, I get where you're going. That's solid, but I've never, I've never heard rock be like, Oh, fuck that scissor or, or paper being like, Oh, uh, that, was, that rock. I fucking battle. hate him. I'm, I, the rivalry yeah, is so strong effect. that it doesn't need words. That's how strong the rivalry is. Yeah, clearly me and Brian said no words that we didn't need it's it. All, exactly. Case in point. I, I didn't like it, but I, I'm honestly, once you said your third pick, I've just became numb to your draft and I just wanted it to be over. So <laughs> I'm just you happy like it's Odell over. One? Oh, no, because there's so many, there's so many things on the board. Yeah, you I know. There's so many, so many other directions here. And that's and why I have with Odell versus Norman, who had like one game. And then you're like, oh, yeah, but then Norman signed to the NFC East. And then they, they could play each other that's twice true. a year. And then you, then you followed it up with saying that they never really had any big moments once he okay. went to the NFC East. So Sorry. it was one game. It was one game, Pat. Hand, hand up. I'm not good at defending my picks. But you know what? You know what's said, hot and spicy is the draft graphic I'm gonna make. A, a better, a better pick if you're gonna go on that one game spat would have probably been Andre Johnson versus Cortland Finnegan. If you're gonna go on the one game spat, they had an all out brawl against each other. Pat didn't like that. It made him upset. But my my last pick, um, I've been thinking about this a, a lot recently. This this franchise, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. it it's near and dear to my heart. I'm gonna take a. Uh, Dom Toretto of the Fast and Furious universe, Vin Diesel, uh, versus anyone who's not his family. He, if you are part of his family, you are you are blood, you are relative, you are his guy. He will do anything to protect you. If you're not his family, he's gonna fucking kill you or he's gonna murder you. So I'm gonna take a, a Dom Toretto versus anyone who's not his family. The only rebuttal I'll have against that pick, which is a is a good creative pick, I do enjoy. Uh, isn't the the newest? Yes, uh, I know exactly what you're gonna say. Yes. Movie. It, the John Cena is a part of his family and that's the rival. So let me bring this in uh, as a avid fast and furious fan. Uh, one of my favorite movie franchises of all time. I could totally see it being in a sense where he is not actually his brother and is just saying it. And I would not uh, put that past him to do that, but uh, I would, if you want me to change the wording of the pick, I will, I will say uh, anyone who tries to uh, harm his family, uh, whatever wording you want, that's fine. I was just trying but, to bust your balls, but no, that's that's the only, I think I've only seen one Fast and Furious movie in my life. Yeah, you're it's missing out. Where the, it's the one where the Rock flexes off his broken arm while uh, that would be, his daughter, "Sorry, Daddy's got to go to work." Uh, that would be Furious Seven. Yeah. He fun fact of that movie: he was sidelined the whole movie with a broken arm because he was uh, training to go wrestle John Cena and WrestleMania, so he couldn't really be in the movie a lot. What's the one where they're in mm-hmm. Tokyo? That would be Tokyo, uh, Drift. Tokyo Drift. I saw that one. Fast and Furious oh, there you Three. Go. Good. Big fan. Isn't that the one where like kind of disrupts like the timeline though? Because it like, uh, it's someone just, dies and then they come back. Yeah, uh, Han dies in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. He has been revealed to be coming back in uh, Fast and Furious Nine uh, because you know how 
What exactly. Are, I what love do these it. movies become? I love it. I I want them to get as absurd as humanly possible. There's a rumor coming out that there might have a crossover between the Jurassic the Jurassic Park universe. I fucking want. Give me everything. This is just absolute entertainment at its finest. And I love it. Speaking uh, of entertainment cool. at its finest, the final pick in the draft of rivalries. Uh, boys, listen, we could talk shit on the podcast all you want, but I'm not going to have another week where Tom G is roasting me on social media. Uh, I want to go for the throat here. And with this being on the board, I feel like I could go for the jungler. Yeah, that's right, Pat. It's on the board. You can put it on the board. Yes. Michigan versus Ohio state in football is probably the biggest college football rivalry. There is one that's kind of close. It's Alabama. Auburn is really close for me, but I feel like it's going to be Michigan versus Ohio state. Um, you just think of some of their big matches and honestly, Michigan has not really shown up to these games recently. That being said, it is still an amazing sports rivalry. Everyone gets all pumped up for it. So that will be my final pick of the rivalry draft. Yeah, that was the that was the college uh, rivalry that I was alluding to when I took UNC Duke. It's a good it's a good pick. The, the only thing is, is like, like you kind of alluded to it too. Michigan hasn't done shit to Ohio State. So it's yeah. kind of lost its luster to me at least. Um, but I know Ohio State and Same. Michigan fans are are still all over it. So I mean it is still a big rivalry. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that, but it's kind of lost its also because Michigan is pretty fucking bad at this point. Yeah. But it's a good yeah. it's a good one-sided rivalry. It's it's a it's a good pick though, nonetheless. Um Brian, than, while, while you're than, Odell and yeah, it is. Yes. While Actually, you're, no, it's not. No, it's not. While you're going, just uh, give us your honorable mentions. Um, all right, along here. All right, we'll we'll pick it up here. I have Tums versus an upset stomach. I have Wiley Coyote versus Roadrunner. Okay. I have Draco versus Harry. Uh, I got Starbucks versus Duncan. Coke versus Pepsi. I got Baker Mayfield versus Colin Coward. Uh, I got Batman versus Joker that you already said. I have obviously Ash versus Team Rocket, and then I had Ricky Bobby, but I couldn't remember the French driver's name. So then oh, I it's like Jean something. Yeah, I wasn't able to fill it out because I couldn't remember his name. So that's all I had. Um, the Baker versus Colin Coward. Colin Coward is completely irrelevant. Um, so I don't count that. It's same thing as Ohio State Michigan, where it's just one side at this point. Um, I had um a, a Simpsons one I didn't take. Uh, Homer versus Flanders. Uh, big and, big. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Appla- applaud me for only taking the, wrestling. The Benello special. Um, I had, punch. I had uh, uh, maybe a bigger uh, college football rivalry, Army versus Navy. Ooh, they, they have an one. they have an entire week of just their game. That's true. Every single year, and that I've been to a lot of sporting events. That is one I need to go to at some point because I, I, everyone I've heard is just saying it's an electric environment. Weirdly you, enough, I've been never, to an Army. I've been you haven't to been Army to one, Navy, TJ. Yeah. No, I haven't. I've been to an Army Navy game too, which is really wow. weird. I feel yeah. it's electric, right? It is really, yeah, it was a really cool environment. I mean, yeah. it was just fucking awesome. But you have to go like when like COVID and all that shit's over and it's packed. Yeah. You got to be in a packed Army Navy stadium. No, I really want to one, one day. Um, yeah, it's awesome. I had um, the Mets first hitting with runners in the scoring position. Ooh, too real. Uh, Topical. Yeah. I, I had uh, Rob Manfred just uh, versus marketing the MLB. Um, Topical. USA versus Russia. Topical. Not really. I had Martin McFly versus Biff Tannen, uh, Back to the Future, great fucking series of movies. Uh, oh. Brian, Brian, one that I thought you might take. I had uh, Ron Burgundy versus West Mantooth. Uh, I had Channel Four News Team versus Channel whatever hit News Thanks. Team, but but I didn't I didn't Dr. actually Man write it down. But yeah, I, I almost went that route. It's a good pick. Um, when Pat said um, the his Pokemon pick that he took and no one else had, 
Um, I thought of another uh, near and dear uh, childhood cartoon of mine. It's a, uh, Yugi versus Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. Uh, a great one for me. But those are my my honorable mentions. Uh, Patrick. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I had uh, Brian and doing intros to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I had Rock Topical. versus Stone Cold. Uh, I had... This was, I don't know why this was one of my first ones I thought of. Uh, from the movie The Prestige, Alfred Borden versus Robert Ang- Angier. What's, what, what do you do? What, do you, what, 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 the, what is your life? <laughs> Have you ever seen the movie The Prestige? No, just no. keep going. It's a, it's a really good movie. You should check it out. Uh, I had Iron Man versus Captain America from Civil War. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, Andy Reid versus The Fog in his face shield. Uh, I had LeBron versus The Refs. I had Iron Sheik versus Hulk Hogan. If you ever want a good laugh on Twitter, just follow the Iron Sheik on Twitter. He all Iron he does is just tweet in all caps, and it's to Hulk Hogan. It's hysterical. It's the funniest Twitter account of all time. It's, uh, he, it's he tweeted. If you I don't know if you saw this one, uh, the Caillou. He tweeted at Caillou. Uh, Caillou, you bald fuck. Fuck you or some shit like that. Yeah, just it, absolutely it's just, hilarious. It's it's great. Uh, I had the Squirrel versus the Nut from Ice Age, which I don't even think is a rivalry. Not really a rivalry. Still would have been so better than half of your picks, though. Yeah, I like my draft. Fuck off. And then I had Marcus Smart versus the Fanny Shoved at Oklahoma State. <laughs> Would have been a better pick. Uh, Another right. one-time occurrence. Um, good, good draft. Good draft. Good we draft. All did really well. A lot of tension on on, on this draft. Um, this also might be an hour and forty-five minute episode, our longest uh, episode to date. Um, but boys, uh, another good episode. Episode thirty-nine. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Check us out on Twitter at Scoop Big Man Pod. We are embroiled in a, a massive March Madness type tournament to crown the biggest Mets Twitter account on on the old Bird app. Um, we've just won our first our first round matchup, so let's all give us a nice little round of applause. We are, we are one and zero. We are going up against the, the Francisco Lindor Stan account. Um, just you tune into Twitter. We got some things planned to uh, to hype ourselves up in that in that poll, but go follow us at Scoop Big Man Pod. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Scooter Big Man Pod. Uh, go check out the, the blog, scooterbigman.scooterandthebigman.com. Um, putting up blogs. We're putting up uh, everything. We're trying to really get that thing, that thing going. So just go check us out. And if you have any suggestions on stuff you'd like to see, DM us, tweet at us, anything to get in touch with us to tell us uh, what you would like to see. But without further ado, good episode. Uh, let's go Mets. Meet the Mets, fuck the rest at last, cause you're listening to the best sports podcast. We got Brian with jokes that make you laugh on the floor. He's a nine of best like Brennan M.O. PJ's the man, so many hearts to steal, like a squirrel from a nut, call him Jeff McNeil. And then this pack, keep it everything rational. Too bad the fuckers are a fan of the Nationals. Stop us, please, we ain't that slow. Push your ball so far like Peter Alonso. So sit back, relax, and if you're a Mets fan, cause you're about to witness, screw it in the big band.